worship with us this morning. And uh, our church is all about the, the grace that comes from the cross. Uh, my uh, heart was overwhelmed when you brought your own cross. I was like, now there's a, there's a group of people we can trust uh, with, our, with our pulpit this morning. They carry their own cross with them. So we, we love the cross of Christ because it's the only means of your salvation. Um, everybody here knows there's nothing else you can do to save yourself. Amen? Amen. So we're excited that uh, Home of Grace is with us today, and uh, we want to worship with them. I want to lead us in prayer. Uh, and Miss Littleton, are you going to come up and share? And uh, by the way, our church, uh, David Jones, our founding pastor, my personal pastor when I was a kid, I went to this church, and uh, my pastor, David Jones, uh, helped uh, Ms. Littleton way back in the day uh, when she had a little house that got in all kinds of trouble, <laughs> grabbing too many people and too many cars there. So uh, we're excited about all that. So let me lead us in prayer, and then we'll turn it over to you guys. Father, we love you today. And uh, don't know how to tell you again how thankful we are for the cross, that you would pay um, such a painful death for people like us. Um, we are so flawed, and yet you choose to make us flawless. And God, I thank you today that in all that you've um, given us a chance to worship you. We mean every word of it. Um, with all our imperfections, we mean every word of it. We, we believe the same power, and uh, we believe in the amazing grace that you will help us live our lives. God, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is present with us today. Um, through the work of the cross, you've given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and that we can count on him today to minister grace and truth to us through these ladies. And we trust you for that. Thank you for the home of grace, the labor, intensive labor that they do um, to protect and uh, lead people back to you to help prodigals return home. And we ask today that you would be honored as we spend time with them and you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would all of our ladies come up? Line up here. We have some that have some special things that they're going to do. But let's everybody come up now. We're going to sing our theme song, I've Been Redeemed. A lot of ladies. I'm going to tell you a little bit about our history. This church has got a great part of our history. But we started out with one woman in my home in 1973. Since that time, over 25,000 have found their way to the home of grace. Hallelujah! And they didn't leave the way they came. <laughs> they came. They came in need and they left helping others. Okay, girls. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I said I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Filled with the Holy Ghost I am. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. And that's not all. There's more beside. I said that's not all. There's more beside. said that's not all. There's more beside. I've been to the river and I've been baptized. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. Well, the home of grace 
It's a Savior's place. I said the home of grace. It's a Savior's place. I said the home of grace is a Savior's place. He put a smile back on my face. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. And all my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. Give the Lord a Thank you, girls. <laughs> Praise God. You know, from the time God called me to these ladies in 1973, I kept thinking that somebody would help the women. Brother Bill Barton had started a home for men down in Van Cleve, Mississippi. And some ministers and I would take men down there. But there was no place, no place for a woman. At that time, one out of five alcoholics was mostly alcohol and prescription drugs back then. And one out of every five alcoholics was a woman. Since that day, the ratio of women has grown in the, in the problems of addiction that one out of two now is a woman. And don't ever think that it's because they're bad women. We don't work with bad women. We work with women that are sick. They're sick of this world and they've turned to some kind of a substance that they might cope with life. But when they find Jesus, they find life. Hallelujah! <laughs> praise God, praise God, praise God. I'll read you a scripture, just one scripture, and I'm going to turn this over to Miss Christie and she's going to uh, lead these girls and what they're going to do. And uh, But I want to read you one scripture that the Lord gave me. Is not this the fast that I have chosen, says Isaiah. Isaiah, the 58th chapter, the 6th verse. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? Many, many people fast. I believe in fasting. And back in Isaiah's day, that was a common thing that they all used to have to have a fast. Is it not to undo the wickedness I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that they, but thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? And that thou, and when thou seest the naked that thou cover him, that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. I want you to know our country our brothers and our sisters in our country are in bondage. And only Christ can set them free. And I thank God today that when God called me, <laughs> I, I, when I saw the need and I saw nobody else would need it, God said, it's you. It's you. He gave me that burden. He gave me that compassion. He gave me that love for these beautiful women. And we've seen, as I said, over 25,000, and we've had over 500 babies born. But my home of grace ladies, we have a program called Hannah House where we take the ladies that are addicted on drugs and get them off of the drugs of the little baby's brother are born healthy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God.
It is our place as the body of Christ, as the church of the living Christ, to set these people free, men and women, because they do not know this. They do not know that they can get that joy unspeakable and full of glory. Sometimes, Brother Stan, people will ask me, well, when did, one woman that I knew for years, she said, when are you going to retire and start enjoying life? And I said, well, sister, I don't know anybody that wants my job, and I want you to know nobody enjoys life like I do. To see one of these beautiful ladies that is caught up in bondage, our average age now is 26, back when I began to take the women in my home because there was no place else for them to go, the average age was 50. In our country, the average age of an addicted woman is 14 years old. Now, that's where our country has gone in these last years since God called me. But I want our girls to come now. We have some testimonies for you, and I know we can't take up too much time. Let's give them a hand as they go. women in my home in Sarah Land. There was a couple out of this church. It wasn't at this location at this time. It was in Pritchard. Hazel and Chester Duck, they saw the little piece that I had put in the paper that if there was a woman who was suffering with addiction, that Doris uh, Wood, my name was Wood at that time, would take her and love her back to health. And they had seen this, and Chester was in recovery himself. He had had an uh, alcohol problem. And they came to see me in my house in Sarah Land. Well, and guess who they brought the next time they came but that precious, precious Brother David Jones. He came with a pair of overalls on that day. My hot water heater had broken, and he had come to fix it. God, for a man of God that will come and help. And from that time on, I think this church was the first one to put us on their budget, if I'm not mistaken. And from that time on, this church has supported us. I know you can't give a lot, but little is much when God's in it. Amen. And it means a lot to us. Amen. And I'll always love him. I know he's going to be with heaven, but as these girls just sing, the, he the, he the heavens are going to part, and we're going to be together again real soon. But I just had to tell you, then later I think about the property from the ducks. I believe they own this property, this property here, and you moved out here, and we kept, kept coming out here visiting. So this church had a great part in these 25,000 women that were saved. Amen. Okay, girls, you ready?
Praise God. You know, I know, Brother Stan, sometimes people think, well, is she still emotional after 42 years of working with these women? I'll never get to the place that my heart doesn't weep for them when they come in and doesn't praise the Lord by the time they go out. Hallelujah! <laughs> praise God! Our, our ladies don't want a long-faced religion. They've been miserable in the world. Right, girls? <laughs> When they come to Jesus, they want that joy, joy, joy that the Apostle Peter speaks about. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. You know, if we can't have something to, to be joyful about and something to praise God about, why do we think this people out there that's in misery are going to want what we have? This, the church, the body of Christ is their salvation. Now we have two young ladies that have agree, agreed to give their testimony, and it'll mean more than what I could ever say to you. Where's Tasha? Come on, baby. <laughs> Let's give her a hand. Good morning, and thank y'all for having us. Um, thank you for letting me share with you what we call in recovery our experience, strength, and hope. Um, I get nervous and I talk fast. Miss Littleton, if I go too long, you just speed me up. <laughs> um, a little bit about myself. My name is Tasha, and I'm a 35-year-old single mother of what I believe to be the only motivation I had at one time to get sober, which is a little girl who's five years old named Kinley. And she is the reason that I'm standing here today. She's the reason that I chose to get better. Um, to understand how big God's been in my life, I feel like you have to understand how hard the devil fought me. So just a little bit of my experience. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic, abusive home. I began drinking when I was 12 years old, and by the time I was 14, I used alcohol as a way to cope with the abuse. Uh, sometimes I drank just to pass out, so maybe I wouldn't get hurt that day. That makes me sense. Um, Despite the dysfunction, I had a normal high school life. Most people didn't know that there was abuse going on. Um, I was in high school groups. I was a cheerleader. Um, I was in honor society. I even graduated high school with a scholarship to Troy State University, which is now Troy University. But when I got to college, I became involved in hard, heavy drugs, besides drinking and pot. And I became involved in cocaine, ecstasy. Those were things that I messed with that I could put down. But at 18 years old, I met the devil himself, and that was methamphetamines. And that would take me down an eight-year road of misery and hell. Um, at 18, I had to resign from school. I lost my scholarship. And within about, I'd say, six months, I was in a mental institution because I had tried to take my own life because I didn't know how to cope with life without the use of drugs and alcohol. Unfortunately, I left that institution more doped up than I was when I came in. Um, there's no God there. It's pills, and you take this, and if you don't, we don't let you leave. So I did what I was told, and I left there more messed up than I came. By the time I was 19 years old, I lived very far away from my family in Texas, and I weighed 80 pounds off of methamphetamines, and I was merely a shell of a human being. I weighed 60 pounds less than I do now. A girl doesn't like to tell her weight, but 
That's how small I was. And uh, when I looked at myself in the mirror, it was literally like I looked at a skeleton of a person. Um, by the time I was 24 years old, I was sitting in Mobile Metro Jail facing felony charges uh, for manufacturing methamphetamines, for trafficking methamphetamines, and I was facing 1 to 20 years. God was merciful to me, and he led me to a place called the Home of Grace. Unfortunately, I did not grasp hold of what they gave me there. But the thing about the Home of Grace is you cannot come there and experience what they have and ever forget it. So 10 years later, when I found myself back in Metro Jail, and I had people telling me, Tasha, you've got to get help. You've got to do something with yourself. They offered me choices of places that I could go. I said, you get me to the home of grace because there's hope for me there. There's hope. They can help me. I knew, even though 10 years ago was a long time, I still remembered that there was a place where God was. There was a place where hope was. I had two encounters when I was in jail. I had one with the devil and I had one with the Lord. And you see who won because I'm standing here. I think it's really unfortunate, but it's the truth. Um, you know, if, if you see somebody with cancer, cancer is a disease. A lot of people don't know alcoholism addiction. It is a disease that is recognized scientifically, medically as a disease. But the difference between us and somebody that has cancer, you try to help somebody that has cancer, they don't make you sick too. We're toxic. We Everything we touch, every path we walk on, we destroy things. Therefore, there's not sympathy for our disease because we hurt everyone involved with us. And the person I feel like I hurt the most, that if it weren't for God, I could not forgive myself, is my little girl. And that was my change. When it comes to addiction and alcoholism, you have to lose things. There has to be consequence, extreme consequence to make you seek help, to make you see that you have a problem. And when I got arrested when I was 34, while I was in jail, my last consequence, the final consequence that I needed came. And that was that I received papers that I lost custody of my child. And I'm going to tell you, I thought I knew heartache. I thought I knew it, but I did it. It literally felt like someone, someone reached in and ripped my heart from my chest. It was the fact that she had no idea where I was. The fact, most of all, that I had become the mother that would even have to have her child taken away from her when I held that little girl in the hospital because I had got my life together after I got pregnant with her. I got my life together. I was in church. I held her in the hospital and I, I made a promise to her and to God, that I would give her a better life than I had. And she was everything to me. But unfortunately, this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And by the time she was six months old, I was using again, and it was just a downward spiral. But I, I realized, I said, God, she is all I have. And if I don't have her, I have nothing to live for. I'm going to tell you, God met me in a jail cell on my knees, and he filled me with the Holy Spirit in Mobile Metro. And I had been raised in church, but I'll be honest with you, I was more raised around religion versus versus God. And that's what Miss Littleton teaches us at the Home of Grace. She doesn't teach us religion. She teaches us about God's love and about the truth of the word. And the experience that I've had, I've never been, I've been sober October 24, 2014. I've been sober for a year. So a year and a few months. 
Thank you. Um, up until this point right now, I had not been sober longer than three months since I was 14 years old, and I'm 35. This has been a life-changing experience for me, and I tell Miss Littleton all the time, I told her just the other day, one of the most amazing things, because I live at the graduate dorm, and I also work in the front office, and sometimes I just look out the window, and I'm amazed to see what can happen if just one person heeds to God's calling on their life. Just one person, and, and so much. And Ms. Littleton, I truly believe that one of your rewards in heaven is going to be that there's a wall with all the names and faces of all the women that because of your obedience to God were able to find the Lord. I truly believe that. And she never takes any of the glory. She always says that she doesn't give us back to our families, that God does that. But it's her obedience that made all of this possible. And I thank you for that, Ms. Wilton. Um, there's two things that I feel like all of us leave the home of grace with. One of that, one of those things is knowledge. And the other is a choice. The knowledge is that there's a God greater and bigger than all of your problems. A God that loves you. And the choice is to stay sober or to go back. And no matter what you do with that choice, you can't run from that knowledge the rest of your life. It will chase you to the pits of hell. Because God is a jealous God and He loves us. And I'm just so grateful today that even though we've burned a lot of bridges in our life, that we can't burn the, the bridge to God Thank y'all for letting me share with y'all today. Praise God. Praise God. You know, the Bible says there's a rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. Can you imagine what rejoicing there is in heaven of these beautiful ladies all these years? Amen. Now, this next young lady, she's been graduated for several years. She has that fire of the Holy Spirit, that love for these women. She might tell you who, you know, who she's married to, and that's up to her. But she comes back and she ministers to these ladies. She does what we call the fifth step. That means admitted to God and to another human being the exact nature of my wrong and being willing to make amends when it will not hurt another human being. But we love her and we so appreciate her. Come on, help, Kelly! Wow, that was beautiful. God is so good, y'all. He is so good, and I just praise Him right now, and I'm so thankful. Um, yeah, I came down Hallelujah Lane about four years ago this month. I'll be four years sober. <laughs> praise the Lord. God is good. Um, before I got there, uh, life had took a great beating on me. Um, it started out as... Uh, I was a mother, young mother, and I lost my baby. She was uh, two years old. She died in a fire. Um, she actually died in my arms. And uh, that really just, you know, took, took my heart. It broke me. I can't tell you the pain, the spiritual pain of it all. But I went on, and then um, after 17 and a half years, I was married to a man. His name was Danny. And um, he was an abusive husband. Uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And um, after 17 and a half years being married to him, he committed suicide in our home 
And uh, that really took a lot out of me right there because I, I loved this man that, and I couldn't understand it. So, And then five months later after I lost my brother, I mean lost my husband, my brother killed himself with suicide. Of course, drugs was involved. And with my first husband, drugs was involved. We did find out. But after that, um, I had two daughters still, Danielle and Amy. And um, I met a very precious man. His name is Byron Pittman. And um, I was a broken uh, after what my husband and brother had done. But Byron took me in. He told me he loved me. And um, he's the mayor of Chickasaw, actually. And uh, what a wonderful man he is. But I went through so much pain after Danny and all the my brother and everything. But Byron always stood by me right there and... I, was, I picked up alcohol during the day, and um, I drank. I was the alcoholic, a wife, the wife that drank at home, and and um, I really, my mind became more and more depraved. And I, I would tell Byron, I'm so sorry, and we, he put me in rehab. Um, I would go in rehab, and I come out worse. They kept giving me pills, telling me this was wrong with me, that was wrong with me. I'd come home and. And I drank again on the pills now, so it's getting worse now. And I went back to a second rehab looking at a PTSD thing and pills. And I mean, I just come home with pills out of these places. And uh, so for, I would say, a good five years, I kind of locked myself up mostly in my bathroom. I started cutting my hand and digging my hand. I did terrible things to myself. I hated myself. I could, I had no joy, I had no peace, uh, nothing. And, but my husband still stood by me all the time. He never gave up. And, uh, so finally, um, I went down to this place. I heard about this place called the Home of Grace. I told Byron, I said, Byron, everybody's gonna know you're the mayor. And, you know, and he said, Kelly, I don't care. This is your life. And if this is what you need, maybe this place is the place you need to be. We got on that property that day. I knew that day when my husband held me out in that front yard there on the home of grace. We felt a wind go between us. And it wasn't your natural wind. You know, we knew right then something huge was going to happen. But anyway, the Lord led me to Miss uh, Littleton's husband, uh, Brother Charles. And he's gone home to be with the Lord. Oh, what a mighty warrior in Christ. Brother Charles led me to the Lord. He he uh he asked me, he said, Kelly, he said, uh you know Jesus. I said, I knew Jesus. See, I went in, I knew Jesus and I knew John three sixteen. That's what I carried down Hallelujah Lane. That's all I knew. But he said, I know you say you know Jesus, but you remember that picture of Jesus standing at a door? And I said, Yes, sir. When he was a little girl, I said, Yeah, I remember that picture. He said, Well, what does that picture, uh, what does that door represent to you? I said, my heart. And he said, Kelly, well, there's one thing I don't think you realize about that picture, that that doorknob, darling's on the inside. you got to open the door and let Jesus in and have that relationship with Jesus. Oh, praise God. I pondered on that thought all day long, that very first day I was in the home of grace. And that night, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. My life has forever been changed. My heart has been anointed with joy. 
I'm joy unspeakable. I have life. I have peace with my God. Reconciliation. I'm so glad it took that nasty desert that I had to go through to get where I'm at today, to know my Jesus, to be in love and to know that God loves me and nothing, nothing will ever take me away from the love of God. And, and no matter what goes in our lives, we lose children. We, we don't expect that, but these things can happen. We can lose husbands and people. People are out there, they're suffering and there's things going on, but I won't cling to that anymore. I cling to my Lord Jesus Christ because it's Him. It's eternal life and eternal purpose. And I'm so grateful that I'm able to keep coming back to the home of grace. I love these women. I, I love them. Before I got to the home of grace, I didn't like women. I didn't. But now today, I love these women. I love to minister to them. I love to tell them and encourage them and lift them up with, with love and to let them know that all you gotta have is your Jesus and He's gonna, He just, you, the freedom you live, the love, the joy, the peace, no matter what comes against me, I know who's before me. And I'm so excited, but thank y'all for letting me share my testimony and I just praise the Lord. I thank Him so much. Thank you, Miss Little. Broken but mended again. They've been broken but they're mended again. And scars just remind you that grace always finds you. They've been broken, but they're mended again. Hallelujah! Amen. Well, what a great, great testimony um, you guys share with us. And just the, the, the joy that's in your heart and uh, in your lives ministers when you walk through the door, it ministers to us from the very first you got here and all the way through and all of your testimonies uh, just mean a lot to us. Amen? Amen. I'm going to share a quick Bible verse with you while a couple of our praise team come up and we close with a song. And I uh, want you to, to um, just the words of this song means a lot to us. And I think it, it reflects all of us. Everybody in this church... Um, we actually say it all the time that uh, there's, uh, we're all flawed, and everybody here, starting with the pastor, uh, the head honcho, sorry, starting with the head honcho, uh, and working its way all the way through, every one of us stumbles and falls. Uh, James says we all stumble in many ways, um, and uh, we're just thankful for grace, amen? Now there's a Bible verse, I don't know if that's on your slides there, Mary, but I think Josh put it up there, that says this, and it's very appropriate for today, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And uh, that's just absolute pure truth. Unless God builds the house, it's a empty, useless labor. Um, Ms. Littleton, the Lord has built your house. And uh, it, it is a home of grace, by the way. So uh, any, any ministry that has the word grace in it and brings their own cross, you're ours. I'm telling you. We... <laughs> I can't stop talking enough about grace and the cross, and, and uh, we believe it's the only hope we have. So um, we want you to sing this last song with us, and then Brandon's going to close out our service.